fuck is you talking about? What you mean, bro? Yo, son, look elite over there. I'm like, dog, <laughs> you got something in your throat? Pause, dog. Whoa. Speak, speak up. <laughs> Say, like, why are you talking like that? Hello, good morning. Tell me what the lick read. You know what I'm saying, yo? What up, yo? It's another episode of Off the Rip. We here, yo. Shiz was popping, man. How you been? Chilling, bro. What's up with you? You know what I mean? Just another day, another dollar. What's up, man? I'm your host. I know the most. The rest of these jokers just here, yo. Whoa. Call me the Don Dada. You know what I'm saying? How y'all feel right. about that? <laughs> how y'all feel about that, yo? Shit's starting early. How, how do y'all feel about yo, that? Yo, we starting like that? Nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. I can't stay, come for the comments. Yo, yo, Don, man. What's up, Reem? What's up, Reem? What's up, what's up? Nah, man, I love these guys. These guys are the other hosts that know the most, except for Shiz. Uh, what's <laughs> up, Luke? How no you doing? Out here, what's man? good with you? You got T on the ones and twos, bro. Anything before we pop off? Anything uh, exciting happening in your personal lives? Anything? Nah? Shiz, you get no love for getting no buckets. That's what I got to say. Oh, shit. Yeah, we had a little. We had yeah, a little. Yeah, oh, yeah. I need, I need the details on this because yeah, I was excited. We could we could talk about that bucket so, sighting, you know. I, I just you know I had I had Kareem on an island yesterday. Just he ain't, he didn't get the basketball not once that first game, mm. and then and then I hit him with that James Harden step back three. I didn't hit you with that. Yo, see, this is where your memory I, just is a little fuzzy. I, I didn't right? hit you with that. I didn't nah. hit you with that. You hit me with a step back three. When I hit you with a step back three. D, can you give me confirmation? Was I just Probably lost a step this? back two? I don't know if it was a step back You hit a step back three on me? He said a Euro step layup. Yo, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. D, did his knees buckle? I, I wasn't paying attention. The sun was in my nah, eye. you, No, nah, no, nah, there was one hezzy you hit me with where I went to contest and you you did you did get by me. There was there was one. There was one. Nah, but, but you, you got, ain't hit no but, step back no, three. No, but this is this is this is what happens though. I give it my all. Like we talk about stamina, right? Like mm -hmm. that first game, I gave it my all, and then Reem just. He, he's like, okay, I'm gonna let you get your shit off, and then Kareem <laughs> comes back, <laughs> and then he 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 gave me some buckets. I'll give him that. I'm not even gonna go back and forth. You remember, you. I, I remember the step back because we were playing with some white kids in in, in where was it Hanover? Yeah, and uh, some kid goes, oh, that's the Isaiah Thomas step back. I was like, yo, don't say that shit. Don't gas yo, that, him up. Honestly, that gas don't, me up, bro. Don't gas him up. Whoa, yo. Shut right. the fuck up. <laughs> don't say that shit. <laughs> Oh man, I be hating that shit. So I'm like, oh my god, this is the James Harden Euro. I'm like, no, he didn't. Yo, <laughs> there was yeah, nothing was like, James Harden. This motherfucker's about that. Like a lacrosse player, like he don't know shit about shit. But uh, man um, said he hit the deadly sidestep. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> yo we on no cap. We were playing on like a dusty ass like hoop, like or court out there too. And then there was like these kids warming up on the other side, or they were playing on a shitty hoop. And it was that kid that was talking, this little white kid that was talking to D. <laughs> D, what was he saying? You say he had like some fake ass or broke ass New York accent? Yeah, this kid from Hanover, for some reason, was trying to emulate like how people in New York speak, probably from TikTok or I was just about to say the same you thing. Said, you know what I mean? So, so social media. So, fuck is you talking about? What you mean, bro? Yo, son, look elite over there. I'm like dog, <laughs> you got something in your throat? Pause, dog. Whoa, whoa. Speak, speak up. <laughs> Say, like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> yo, son, like, you got next, yo. I got six two big coming down, yo. I got six two big. 
Spin the block on y'all. And I said this. I told D. I said it's always the little nigga that talk like that, who's like the worst ball player, bro. And I saw him shooting over there too. I'm like, damn, like he he hitting everything but the hoop. (laughs) Movement, man. Crazy. He was solid, bro. Though it wasn't bad, you know. Had some some kids that could play a little bit over there. It wasn't bad. Kareem going full speed into like girls too. There was this girl who was yeah. playing with us. <laughs> Tell me why she tried to take a bro. charge and pick up, bro. What's she doing? <laughs> First of all, why are you taking charges and pick up? <laughs> Thank you, Mook. That's what I'm saying. Because you have issues if, if you're taking charges and pick up. <laughs> she was just trying to <laughs> she slid over she could, and bro. she slid over and literally like took a charge she underneath took the, the charge, basket. Yo. It was in the restricted it, zone, too. It was under so the it was basket. Still, it was still a bucket. Yeah, nah. Yeah, oh, Reem, no bullshit. Like, if she would have, like, took a charge, you should have just tried to take flight on her. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> oh, Mook knows about me. taking flight on women, huh? <laughs> yeah, see, Yo, co that, that sounds, that sounds crazy. Can that we, like, wild, bro. Yeah, that does sound crazy. Can we... I'll, I'll paint the story. So okay, we, yeah, at least the... let's, yeah, let's at least get that up. That's it doesn't sound nuts for our listeners. <laughs> that sounded crazy. So we were playing in a co-ed game. Me and Mook were on a fast break. And this girl had she she had on a hat like I'm like well, it was just kind of weird she was she was she was backpedaling and I'm like oh she's kind of out of control and me and Mook were passing the ball back and forth on a fast break and I kind of like like I I I didn't throw you an alley but I kind of led you yeah I threw you like an alley I didn't think you was gonna dunk it and then she stopped and then Mook kept on rising and dunked on her and the whole gym got quiet like the whole gym I'm like Mook really just. Mook really just dunked on this this young lady, bro. <laughs> yeah, also ran over that game too. She yeah, was, she was. Yeah, yeah that, that was a tough one for her. She, she, she also was trying to block shots on jump shots under the basket. She was doing like that Lamarcus Aldridge thing, like you know when like Lamarcus Aldridge is in the paint and just jumps up, <laughs> like on a three. Like she was doing that. Like I remember like one time I think it was Reem <laughs> took the three and she just jumped under the net. Like oh, bro, like man. you're not blocking oh. the shot. Annabelle tells me she said she had leggings on too. Oh and yeah. She would jump like she was trying to block three point shots when she was standing in the paint. <laughs> <laughs> She thought she was in Space Jam, like anything goes. Yo, she was just gonna man. get up there. <laughs> well, as um, 2020 and 2021 is done, uh, we have lost another great, that being DMX or Earl Simmons, uh, 1970 to 2021, 50 years old. Uh, DMX has died a week after suffering a heart attack. Again, he was 50. The rapper and actor born Earl Simmons died at White Plains Hospital in New York on Friday. His family confirms to people, we are deeply saddened to announce today that our loved one DMX, birth name Earl Simmons, passed away at 50 years old at White Plains Hospital with his family by his side after being placed on life support for the past few days. Earl was a warrior who fought to the very end. He loved his family with all of his heart and we cherished the times we spent with him. Earl's music inspired countless fans across the world and his iconic legacy will live on forever. We appreciate all of the love and support during this incredibly difficult time. Please respect our privacy as we grieve the loss of our brother, father, uncle, and the man the world knew as DMX. We will share information about his memorial service once details are finalized. So, uh, yeah, man, this one, this one definitely um, impacted the community over the, over the weekend, this past weekend. Even before he uh, officially passed, and when he was still on life support, 
there was droves and droves of people out there um, on their motorcycles outside of the White Plains Hospital bumping DMX music, just trying to set off a positive vibe and just, you know, let him know that he let him know or his family know that they're there with them in prayer and in hopes that, you know, just for the best. And again, I've been seeing stuff saying uh, maybe it's selfish for people to think, you know, or to, for people to, to think that he should still be here or not because his music is storied out, storied in his music and um, his career, just that he's had a difficult time being here and, you know, just through whatever he was going through with um, addiction, battling addiction, and just where he came from, where he grew up, um, and just maybe now he's finally at peace and he's able to, um, you know, as he transitions on, he's in a different he's in a different space, and so maybe we should just celebrate that and that he's finally at peace with what he needs to be, rather than grieve him not being here anymore or mourn him not being here anymore. But his impact to hip hop is definitely going to be felt uh, forever. He has some of the the probably top twenty songs in rap, if not all music ever. Uh, but yeah, that's just just a little bit from what I could think of. Um, what do you guys want to say about that? I just think that like that whole week of not knowing what his situation was was kind of crazy because there were times where people reporting out that he passed away people reporting out so there was just like you didn't really know what to believe it was just this roller coaster right mm-hmm. and just being in the um car with you guys and listening to a few like dmx songs it's just like you could just you could feel the pain and just the everything that he's been through you could feel it like in his voice so i mean that's that's where i'm at with with this um and I'm also seeing stuff on Twitter, too, that I'm not sure if it's true or not, but Jay-Z and Beyonce potentially buying his catalog or something like that. I'm not yeah, sure if it's true, true. but that's I see true. it on Twitter. Yeah, it is true. I've read it a few times that they're going to um, buy all his masses. I want to say if they bought it for reported, I want to say $10 million, and then we're going to gift it to um, his 17 children. Hmm, just $10 million for his masses? Yeah. Wow. I feel I like his songs, his songs are in, like, like there's there's songs that like go corporate, you know, that you hear in movies, in uh, football yeah. stadiums, basketball games, like so they're always gonna get in heavy rotation and in heavy royalty. So, DMX was one of those rappers who had those songs, and you know, like up in here and stuff. You're always up in here is always gonna be played. I feel like forever. So it's interesting to me that ten million is the number. I've, I would thought it would be a lot higher. Yeah, it seems low. Because I'm thinking about how many. You know, especially like the song like um, X gonna give it to you. How many times have you heard that on a basketball warm up or a football warm up? So, you know, you'd think that these, you know, it'd be a lot more. Um, I'm glad that Jay Z, Beyonce are doing that out of um, the goodness of the heart just to give that to him. So, I mean, uh, to their family. So, I mean, that's really cool to see that. Um, you know, what kind of impact that he has on on um, masses of people. Yeah, man, and. Um... This one is is different for me because I wasn't I I personally missed the DMX movement and I never went back and listened to it. But I seen what my dad how my dad was affected by his music and I know he he was like that dude 
for that generation previous to us. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I totally, totally see and respect um, his work. But in terms of emotionally, like, it was just, yeah, I wasn't, I, I, I just got to speak for myself. And I don't know if it's the right time to say this or not, but it was like, I was kind of desensitized to it at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't, like again, I don't know if it's the right time to say it or not, but uh, fuck it, it's off the rip, so I'll say it anyways. But mm. yeah, so D, it's funny you talk about your your dad because I remember um, my dad was a huge DMX fan, and like growing up in Vermont, like I heard DMX, Jay Z, Nas, and like that was it for like my dad's rotation. I remember DMX came to perform at this like small ass hotel in Vermont, in Burlington, Vermont, and just like. My dad being so hyped to hear that DMX was coming to Vermont. So we got tickets. We went to this place. And it's just like this little ballroom that he performed for maybe like 100 people. But just like seeing DMX, you know, live perform like that and just seeing like how hyped my dad was. Like, I think, I don't know. I guess it depends on the person, like you said. But our generation probably just barely missed like how much of an impact he was. Mm-hmm. But I definitely know, like you said, your dad really liked him. Like my dad was a huge fan. So like he, you know, obviously he has a huge impact in music, um, and and just like kind of Shiz was saying, like he's a passionate dude, like a very religious dude, and like you could just tell in his music, you know, like he he really was very spiritual. But yeah, exactly. definitely, spiritual. definitely. You know, yeah. all, he's so. he's he's like even when I say that, I, I really want to harp. Like it's not like I'm being emotional. It's like I understand who he was. He he was DMX was like the closest thing, if not maybe even succeeded Tupac mm. in terms of like creating a movement too with his music. Mm. Um, and there's, there's a lot of similarities there even. Um, but I mean, you can just watch the videos where you see him go up on stage and everybody, just a sea of people just <clears throat> screaming out his lyrics. So yeah, um, like, yeah this, the, that energy is crazy. What's the video where like, it looks like he's performing like for a whole continent. Um, yeah, oh, little... that's um that was ninety nine. I've been seeing it a few times. It's um I forget what the name of the event was, but I know it was like nineteen ninety nine. It was um it was like a festival when he performed it, and it was just like a sea of people, ridiculous like, amounts of people. Right? Just like you can't see it. Like it was like there. take like Astro World and times it by like fifteen, yeah. and that's how many people were out there. It's called yeah, Woodstock. It was like a Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. You say Woodstock or Coachella, I guess. But yeah, I think it was Woodstock. I think it was Woodstock. Yeah, it's Woodstock. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if, recognize, um, you know, his reach. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever watched the um the documentary. It's um Jay Z. Um, it was um it was like a concert. It was like a three headed tour. I would say, it was the Rough Riders, um, Rockefeller, and I forgot who the last one. I think it might have been like Ja Rule or something like that. And they had this concert and I'd watched the video so many times, like younger, that like it always made me like a big uh DMX fan. Just seeing like his energy on like the tour and stuff like that and how like authentic he was. And you know, he wasn't one of those people that's, you know, gonna fake who he was for anybody. He was always gonna be um DMX no matter what. So definitely shout out to him. Yeah, and that's that that word authentic, which 100% DMX was in this day and age. I don't know if we're gonna get that again. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's too staged, everything's too calculated. DMX, you like you said, X gonna give it to you. So, shout out to Earl Simmons. Respect. 
And you said everybody's out here doing the Bow Wow Challenge. That's what you're saying? Everybody's cloud chasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you ain't wrong. You definitely ain't wrong. Everybody's trolling and cloud chasing. Yo, that's it. Yeah. That's how our society is today. It's crazy. Did y'all see the LA Times when they released it? Like when he passed away, it was just like DMX dies after a long battle with the law. Well, I think it was long battle with law and addiction. I think that was kind of fucked up the way they worded that. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of headlines that came out while he was in the <clears throat> hospital that were kind of going on his history um, and just kind of like in a, in a negative aspect. So, you know, companies I mean, took advantage of that, unfortunately. I mean, with the same respect, that's the same thing they did for, they're doing with George Floyd right now during this, this case right now. Mm-hmm. Every time they, they don't want to, you know, bring up the fact that this man was suffocated to death. They want to keep talking about the fact that he was dealing with addiction and, and, and all this other stuff and not, you know, focusing on the fact that this man is still a human. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us in this world are perfect. None of us will be perfect. And to harp on something that negatively portrays somebody in a time like this where, you know, obviously one, the man can't defend himself anymore no matter what the case may be. Obviously, his family can speak on his behalf, but this man can't go up there and talk about himself or talk about, you know, what's going on you know, with him. And so I'm, the news is really negatively portrayed. They try to negatively portray um, DMX and stuff. And I think um, people have reached out to him about it. But, I mean, it's a shame that it takes people to call somebody out on what they're doing for them to be like, okay, yeah, maybe what we did was wrong. So, but I did see that um, their articles and stuff. All right, so uh, that's gonna lead into our new segment um, on Off the Rip, our new segment called "What's in Your Serato." All right, so we talk about music. We want to dedicate some time to the rhythm and beats and sounds of the culture. Okay, you ain't got no Yeezy, your Serato. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got no Yeezy, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do I know? Hey, shy time. No, 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 we started. Okay. Yes. Uh, week, yo, y'all was talking smack. All right. Y'all was talking smack. Y'all want to talk whoa, about whoa, whoa, Detroit, whoa. Mount see, Rushmore. See, see. What's up? Here you go. Y'all want to talk about Detroit? Let's talk go. about Detroit. We a Boston podcast. But since Boston ain't got no rappers, we can't do a Boston. Nah, we got, we got, talking we got rappers, about, bro. bro. We got Benzino. Oh. <laughs> yo, for yo, tell him to say what's up to Paul. Yo, we got Benzino. Oh, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yay, yay. Tell him, T. Cousin Stiz. Gangstar. Gangstar. Yeah. Malfi. Joiner Lucas. Malfi gets another yeah, reference. Joiner Lucas <laughs> down I-95, bro. He ain't from Boston, bro. <laughs> Yo, all right. Sammy so, Adams. Sammy Adams, baby. All right, besides all these trash rappers y'all just listed. Um, Sammy Adams. We talk about Detroit. Where y'all want to start? Who you want to start with? Obviously, well, Rushmore, obviously, you have to start with Eminem. Yeah, Thank you got to put all right. just, yeah. Eminem is there no matter what the matter is. When it yep. comes to Detroit, when we call about we can talk about people that impact in Detroit. We can talk about artists can, in general. Right, we, put, in we put Eminem. All right, Eminem's going up there. Royce to five nine. Okay, he's not saying nothing. He's not okay. saying that. See, look, I'm gonna give you that. Okay, then, you know, move. You know, I'm going with this. Royce to five yeah. nine is is really but, highly underrated. Yeah, he is. Yes. He, is. he is. Okay, and then after that, move. And I'm gonna Big shut Sean. up. Big Sean, thank you. Big Sean. Mm, there's two <laughs> other people I put before him. Who? Who else would you put up there? You better not put anybody from D4L. I mean, not D4L. Um, <laughs> D12. I'll put, I'll put uh, Jay Dilla, and then I'll put Elzai. 
who were no. in Slum Village. No, no, no. I can't put Jay Dilla. Jay Dilla, Jay Dilla can say. Okay. But Big Sean has to be in over. Um, what's his name? <laughs> Elzheim. Yo, you know who's yeah. from Detroit, bro? That's fair. Big Sean can get that last spot. He can get wow, that last. Wow, that's spot. crazy. I'll keep. I'll keep Jay Dilla. You gotta have to give Jay Big Dilla Sean gotta be there though. Yeah, and that's why I said I, I, I didn't refuse the Jay Dilla. Jay but Dilla El, Big Sean most definitely has a better catalog than Elzheim. Elzheim can wrap circles around Big Sean. Yeah, but like we could also talk about like. And like shout out to Dave Loaf. Shout out to Dave. Yeah, Yo, you know, Loaf. you know who else is from Detroit, right? Castell, Castell's from uh, Detroit as well. <laughs> Just Ooh. peep that. Yeah, Cash Doll's from Detroit. What's up? What up? You can dog? also put Danny Brown in there. Too. Well, not in the conversation, but you know, somebody who deserves his uh, credit. I don't even know if is he still making music at this point. I have no idea. But, I just remember uh, his verse on what's um okay ASAP Rocky song. His what? verse went stupid. My um, man, uh, Boldy James. He he's he just put out a good record this year. Uh, definitely Obi Trice. You gotta say shout out to him. But um, yeah, Dave Loaf. No names, no gimmicks. Loaf got a whole bunch of people stealing her style out here right now. Yeah, yeah. All these New Yorkers are running around with this Dave Loaf folks. Didn't um, Little B get beat up because he said that um, what's his name sounded like Dej Loaf, and they jumped him. That's funny. What's the dude's name? Um, a Boogie. Yeah, he said A Boogie sounds like Dej Loaf, and A Boogie he and does. and what's his name's people um, jumped him at yeah. a concert. Yeah. This was like two, three years ago, and like stole his laptop or some shit. So just to finish off, we had M. Yep. Yeah, Royce. Royce yep. is up there. We yep. had Jay Dilla. Yep. Then we no, had no, Sean. no. Chill, 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 chill. We got Big Sean and then. No, Jay Dilla, Big Sean. That's four. Yep. Don't don't ever try to say Jay Dilla comes after Big Sean. <laughs> Jay Dilla might have to go before Royce to five nine. Honestly. Yeah. So he changed the way beat making happens in hip hop. Yeah. One of yeah. I, 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 Yo, I chill out, T Perry. <laughs> Uh, Pimp my ride exhibit, the one and only. Yeah, I didn't even know exhibit was from Detroit until I looked it up today. Yo, he was an eight mile bro. Check out your boots, they're growing damn roots. Yeah, but like, I, I just assumed that, like, because he was cool with like um, all of them, I was like, okay, then he just put him in the movie. <laughs> I didn't realize he was actually from Detroit. I didn't know that he was from there. Like, I, for some reason, I always assumed this whole time he was from California. Shows you how much nah, I man, know. that's a real Detroit thing, yo. Pipping people's rides, yo. That whole you go to Detroit right now, it still look like 1970s, bro, because they got stuck after a crack exploded. But you know, so <laughs> they still living in that era. You see them Detroit pimps all the time, bro. So it's funny that that whole concept is definitely Detroit, yo. It's the motor city, bro. Mm, motor city. And I'll so, tell y'all, people start wearing Tim's in Detroit first. New York took that shit from us. But, anyways, that concludes our segment on what's in your Serato. All right, and moving into the NFL, uh, last Thursday, uh, a story came out about the former NFL player, Philip Adams, who fatally shot five people. So last week, um, Philip Adams was found dead um, along with five other people uh, in his local neighborhood. Um, These people being, one being a prominent doctor in the area, along with his wife and two grandchildren and also somebody else working in the home. And he was found uh, nearby uh, dead as well. And so um, as news comes out, it's still very, there's still some uncertainty with what happened here, but a lot of people have kind of speculated as to 
um, you know, CTE or issues with uh, this player's NFL experience and some mental health issues. But again, you know, we find another story of um, people in the NFL seeming to not get the help they need. And I would imagine that this person has been dealing with some, some demons or some difficult things that led him to commit, you know, such a terrible thing. Um, and, you know, for me, it kind of makes me think back to Junior Seau, to Aaron Hernandez, some of these more prominent players that we've heard about their lives after the NFL. Um, and so this, you know, to hear a story like this, and I think for a lot of people to hear that two young children were killed in this just really, um, you know, takes it to, I think, a different level. And so, you know, just hearing about this story, just kind of hearing some of the news that's come out, uh, do you guys kind of have any reactions to it? Um, Here we are again. Yeah, here we are again. <laughs> At what point are we going to do something to stop it? Or to educate? I don't know how, how you can stop it, but maybe take preventative measures instead of, uh, or proactive measures instead of, well, what am I trying to say? Proactive. Try, yeah, proactive. Proactive, Try, preventative, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't know too much about his condition. We don't know what was really going on prior, but you know, obviously he was dealing with some kind of mental illness that led him to kill uh, five people, but. Yeah. Do you I think, mean, oh, go ahead, Sean. Nah, I was just, I was reading up on it too. And there was, there were people that came forward that knew him. And I mean, they obviously said that there was, this was just not like him. He was clearly going through some stuff and there was a pattern leading, leading up to this where he would isolate himself. You know, he would go away and people try to get in contact with him and they couldn't reach him. So like clearly, this was a recipe for disaster, right? Um, and it's just unfortunate that five people, including himself, like that. This is this is where we're at now. Like to your point, and to what D said, like we we have to start looking at preventative measures because there, this isn't the first football player. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's crazy. It's a wild stereotype to have for your league. Yeah. Right. Right. And the NFL is just going to kind of push this off. Like, obviously, it's not on them at this point. They're going to say, oh, you know, it's, you know, the NFL probably won't even make a comment about this, to be honest with you. And they won't they won't acknowledge it to be a problem. And at this point, it's gotten so out of control that I think the NFL is just kind of like washed its hands with it at this point. It's kind of like the whole of um, wrestlers at this point. They mm. know it's a problem. They realize it's a problem, but they just kind of distance it. <clears throat> distance themselves from it. And that's not going to, you know, get this, this issue solved. And, and just a correction actually too. So there were six victims, uh, five were found dead and a sixth victim was shot and uh, survived to right? a hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know the current condition, but was in critical condition. So six people in, uh, involved and then himself. Um, I don't know. Again, like, I don't want to speak on it too much before we really know what happened, but I have to imagine that, you know, thinking about the history of the NFL and some, what the players deal with. And then also after the NFL, after players retired, the isolation that they go through, you know, you make all this money, but you don't really make all this money. And then once you're done with the league, you know, people kind of leave you, people aren't as close as they were before because you're not making that money. You know, you think about that uh, coinciding with losing kind of that, that like alpha male dominance that you have when you play in the NFL, when you play at the highest level and then couple that with maybe substances, maybe previous mental health. Mm. And, you know, and then you get situations like this where people feel so alone, so 
in just like a a dark deep place they can't get out that they decide this is the only way that 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 they can continue and, and like to you guys's point i think that's the thing is the nfl seems to kind of just brush under the table you know and just try and wipe their hands from it and you would really hope that there is more preventative measures there's more discussions in general but that they're really taking care of the players after they retire because that's really when they need the most help and most support mm. do you think at a point at a certain point that the nfl is is um gonna try to do something to for players you know mental sanity at this point like psychologist or or something just in general just to get players to you know at least have some sort of blanket for for to help kind of prevent things like this so they have like sports psychologists on every team now you know all teams have social workers psychologists you know obviously they they have the money to have these kind of supports but i personally think one of the issues is that the players don't you know uh, take advantage of these these resources, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a man, I don't need therapy or whether they just don't think they have that much of a problem. I think the players don't really take advantage of the resources as much as the NFL has. But then I also think the NFL can still do a lot more um, after right, like, you're out of the league. But you my, could be like oh, mandatory to like but, check in with somebody. Yeah, that my, my biggest issue, I'm, I misspoke on this. I was kind of saying more so after their playing after. career is over. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know how, I don't know how it is, but is it, you know, when somebody's playing career is over, the NFL is just like, all right, you're out of the door. You're not our problem anymore. Yeah, or it's like, like they have healthcare and they, so like they have like their health insurance, healthcare plan yeah. that I believe carries over, but I don't know what the, what's actually included in that, how much support's given there, what kind of resources are there, but that's, that's a good point. Just um, like the parallel between like the supportive. NFL. Yeah, no, I just feel like it's just the parallel between the NFL and the military. Like, thank you for your services. And people come out fucked up from these, <laughs> like, from, from these different environments and stuff. Like, I know, you know, my grandfather, after he got out of the army, he came back. And I mean, he wasn't right. <laughs> see, you see a lot of fucked up shit. And then in the sports world, it's just like you're, you're putting like a consistent beating on your body. And like you're playing it like at at any given day, your contract could be up. Right. So, I mean, it's just like a very stressful environment. And then you come out of that, not really realizing that like, yo, this is, this is fucked up. It's crazy. So yeah, I think it, I think it needs to be like a mandatory thing, but I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like, they, they make money. They make billions of dollars off of these players. Yep. That's what it boils down to. I mean, yeah, I think there's a reason why. Um, what was that Will Smith movie about the CTEs? Yeah. Concussion? Uh, concussion, thank you. I think there's a reason why the NFL didn't really like that movie. You know, it portrayed them in a certain light, um, and obviously in a dramatic way, but to a certain degree that shows, you know, there's a problem, you know, with how these players are, how they're kind of taken care of in the season, but then once they retire, there's a serious problem with the supports they have and what they do afterwards. Also, too, like this is a the NFL. Like I would say, when I was talking about the NFL distancing themselves from from certain things, um, apparently they have a deal with you know um, how Madden makes all the NFL games. Madden won't even allow them to say the word concussion in the game, so they won't even say head injury or anything like that. 
they have to like completely refrain from saying that concussions exist. Just how much Madden, I mean, um, the NFL is trying to distance themselves from, you know, head injuries or, or, you know, you know, CTE and things like that. Like, you know, the NFL is so trying to distance themselves so way, so much from like the NFL took out, I guess, parts of the concussion movie because they don't want that, you know, to be talked about in their game. So there's definitely a bigger issue in the NFL at some point has to do something about this because we can't keep allowing people to, to end up in these situations and, you know, just kind of rusting under the rug. Like this is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trevor brings up the point that at the same time, there's been a push to improve helmets, but that's, that to me is like lip service. It's the same thing as companies putting up black lives matter in their windows. Mm. Like, it's just like, all right, let's do the bare minimum to try to address the situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't want to be a person to blame the people going through this, but I do think there's some ownership of, like, guys, especially men and black men, need to be able to, like, say, I have a problem. Like, I need to see somebody. Mm. And I think that's part of a lot of this. It's not all of it, but it's a part to it is that, you know, especially even during their playing days, but afterwards, you know, they might be going through some stuff and don't want to say anything because they just want to deal with it. They want to fight through it. They want to be a man. And again, especially for black men, you know, you play a sport like that, that's so demanding. That's so, um, you know, masculine like or adrenaline filled that I can imagine it's probably tough to ask for help afterwards. Even if you start to see the signs. Yeah. Um, Kareem and, and you played throughout college. I mean, I remember just playing in high school, and my mom even being like when I came back from from practice, like, yo, you, you're aggressive. You're different. Like, like I was bringing back what was coming from the football field into my house. Mm-hmm. And even my mom could like see that, whatever that was. And so like if that was just happening on at the high school level. I was wondering if you've seen that or if you experienced that playing college football. Definitely. I mean, I know some of my teammates, you know, they definitely had their own things, but you know, for sure, you see players that on the football field, they're a completely different person. You wouldn't even recognize them. But outside of football, outside of practice, they, you know, they, they present very differently. And I, I definitely could say, like, I'm, I was probably like that. Like, you guys know me as a pretty quiet uh, person. But on the football field, like, that that wasn't really my persona as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's kind of what the game does a little bit. You have to be – people say you have to be, like, a little crazy to play football, especially at a high, high level. You know, to be able to take hits like that, to hit people play after play. Yeah, um, you you kind of crazy, bro. I'm a crazy, Quiet, you know, you're crazy as hell. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> but yeah, now you do you bring up a good point, man. It, it's yeah. like compartmentalizing mm-hmm. or like almost splitting your identity into two. Mm-hmm. And then when it spills over into the other, to the rest of the world, it's not, that identity's not fit for that world. Right. And then it's like, but you get rewarded for that identity. So it's like, so then do I got to keep cultivating this identity? The question I was asking is like, do I got to keep cultivating this identity, this energy, this persona and keep getting rewarded for it? Or do I keep coming back and scaring my own mother because I'm actually too aggressive in my house? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause like in football, you're rewarded, you're praised for being aggressive and, you know, fucking somebody up. But like outside of that, you don't want to do like, you don't want to act like that. You don't want to be like that. So, um, 
again, I keep saying like, when you think about the highest level, I imagine that it only gets more difficult because you really got to like fucking hype yourself up for NFL Sunday. Like you got to be ready to fucking rip some faces. You know, you got to yeah, you put your up. Like, like a car crash every play. <laughs> right. Exactly. So like, yeah. how do you play a game? And then, you know, minutes after the game, do an interview. 30 minutes after the game, go see your family and children. Like that that transition for NFL players, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Mm. With this, uh, maybe we'll find some more information. I did see a story that um, his body and his brain is supposed to be studied uh, in the near future uh, by BU. Shout out Boston. So, you know, maybe that'll give us some more research, more indication into kind of anything that he was going through. And yeah, again, you know, we'll have to see what what the NFL does, if anything, and kind of what comes with this. So how about this uh, Nets-Lakers game, y'all? Y'all catch this this dub by the Lakers? To be honest, I only didn't – I only watched, like, the, the beginning of the game and then I had to leave, but that Lakers team, maybe I. We saw – they were out who, – who was out that game? Kuz? Everybody. Cool. Yeah, everybody, right? <laughs> AD, West Matthews, LeBron, like, everybody was out. Yo, has West Matthews played a game this whole season? Yeah, he has. He's started. He's been asked, but he oh, started. Man. Sorry, just trash. Yeah, he's been out there. I don't know if he's played, but he's, <laughs> he's in the game. He gets his. He should wear an Apple Watch so he can get his steps in. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I think Kuzma was out last night. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, LeBron and AD. Um, Jared Dudley, um, Duds. Uh, who else was out? Wes Matthews. Was Gasol and out? Then, Gasol might have been out. Oh, too. Gasol was out. That's who the line. I know somebody else was missing. Gasol was missing last night. Hey, too. Ben McLemore has seventeen. Yeah, Ben McLemore's tough. I love that sign when they went and got him. Mm-hmm. Shit, the Celtics should have got Ben McLemore. We can't shoot for shit. <laughs> Stop playing fucking semi Ojale. <laughs> the Nets, bro. Was the Nets defense? Six, seven, they seven. Really, they really didn't. Yeah, they didn't solve any of their problems with these signings, huh? Their defense can't stop nobody. They couldn't defend to begin with. That's why I keep telling people, it's like the Nets' biggest problem is like you're not going to be able to score 140 points every playoff game. The game is too slow to score 140 points. Mm-hmm. You don't get that many possessions, so you have to find a way to get a stop. And we have Lamarcus Aldridge that can't guard anybody, and that's going to be who's guarding AD in the playoffs. Fuck out of here. Well, man. so what do we think is going to be like their their ending five, right? It would be James, Kyrie, um, AD, KD. Blake, Blake, DJ, like you're gonna so want. You're telling you me want that defense in there. You gotta have DJ in there, right? You're a minus have, on every one of those matches. Yeah. To be honest with you, so they might have DeAndre. If DeAndre Jordan's out there, that's even worse. To be honest, they they're better when they're playing when they're playing Jeff Green and Clayton than when they're playing like Blake Griffin and and Marcus so? Aldridge. Yes, mm-hmm. because they play defense. Because I was like, you have enough scoring anyway. You don't need you don't need Blake Griffin and and Lamarcus Aldridge to get buckets for you. You need guys that are going to be able to get stops, or like Bruce Brown when he plays, like guys that actually play. Guys, you don't have to run a play for guys. Exactly. Go after it. You need to run a play for Blake. Yeah, like run a play for Aldridge. But like the negatives on the defensive side. So I mean, I've been saying for the longest time, like the, the signing of Aldridge and and Blake Griffin don't really move the needle. They have to play Jeff Green more minutes than they have to play those two. Yeah, and I don't even like Jeff Green, but he did help my man LeBron get to a chip, so I can't be too mad at Jeff Green. <laughs> it's, it's still crazy that his heart surgery, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He was yeah, supposed to be tough story. with the Celtics. Yeah. 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 I like Jeff Green. The fact Green. that he's still playing when he's like, 
Okay. And at a high level, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, obviously the Nets didn't have Harden either. And I think Harden does add a, a really different. Harden's the, the, the best player on the team. Yeah. yeah. He's. I mean, Katie's coming off. What, what was Katie's injury where he was out Achilles. for so long? He was just still Achilles. He was still we have. Oh, with his. Oh, I don't even Sensitive know. Sensitive ovaries. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah, it might, it might have been something along those lines. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. cramps. So, so Katie's still getting back. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, like you said, Luke, defense is going to be their, their kind of Achilles heel. And when they get into the playoffs, it's like, what's going to be their defensive lineup to stop, you know? Much, much less like if they play the Lakers in the finals, what's going to be their defensive lineup to stop fucking JoJo, you know? Like, Giannis, like, right how now. are they going to stop these other big men that are getting in the paint consistently, you know, in the East? Do you want to hear my Eastern Conference finals right now? What you got? The Bucks and Sixers. Ooh. Ooh. You don't like Gary Trent up north doing his thing? What do you Honestly, get, four piece? I can't tell you five plays on the Raptors at this point. <laughs> 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 Gary Trent might be the only person I know on that team. <laughs> Yo, who's a part of that trade too? That move? Which move? From um, um, the Blazers, Norman Powell. Oh yeah, Norman he Powell. Okay. He's he's tough. I like him. I don't know. Well, like they they essentially just got like the same player. So like it in it, it was a pointless trade. Like it was like you were fine. Both of them were fine with the player that they had. It was like nah, we just wanted to seem like we're a part of it. So we're part of the deadline madness. Yeah. Um, so, but I do want to give some numbers for last night's game. Because some of these numbers are actually crazy. So, obviously, Kyrie Irving did get kicked out of the game, but he was a minus three. Kevin Durant last night, minus 13. Jeff Green, minus 13. LaMarcus Aldridge, minus 15. This man had three rebounds last night. <laughs> three rebounds last night. Damn. Yo, how old is uh in L.A.? How old is LaMarcus? I don't know. He was drafted in, like, 2000, like, 35. Mm-hmm. 35. Yeah, 35. He's yeah. drafted in I 2006. Mean, that's a tough matchup. John, Andre versus LaMarcus, like, but I mean, you got to get more than three boards, bro. You're seven feet. <laughs> you big for no reason. <laughs> Just taking up space, Mook. Right. Well, and, uh, what y'all thinking about the Celtics? How you, how you all feeling about uh, Tatum's career high? That was a career high, right? Yeah, yeah he needed all high. of them to get past the Timberwolves. All 53 of them in an overtime to get past yeah. the Timberwolves. Josh, Josh and Kobe and the boys. Like. <laughs> Yo, did y'all see Tatum get baptized? No, I did not. Ooh. Oh. I think, uh, do but they have, think- uh, do they have green? Not green. Or maybe it was, I, I swear to God, he had two, the clip. punching on his head, two hands, two hands. What? They didn't, they didn't show the replay because it was on, uh, M, uh, you know. It was on the Celtics network, so they didn't show the replay. <laughs> yeah, you know, Scal is not letting them talk about Tatum. So. Oh, he just, man. let's speed past that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we play the Nuggets tonight, too. Yeah, we're about to get our heads kicked in. That's an L. Yeah. yeah. That, Jokic really is good. about to go for 40, 40, and 20 tonight. Yo, so so Aaron Gordon, they've been seven and zero since since that. Yeah. Really? Since that Aaron Gordon trade. Yeah, yeah it was a good pickup for them. Lakers and four. <laughs> What'd you say, Luke? You said Lakers. Lakers and four. Have y'all seen Zion's stats for the last 
20 games? Where yeah, his numbers like is 30? his numbers is crazy. It's like what <laughs> 25 per game on like 50% shooting or something? All layups, like 60, yeah. like 60. Oh shit. I've never seen I've never seen a person with no game score so easily. <laughs> That was so you disrespectful. Know he's gonna you do. say he's got no game. <laughs> bro, Zion yeah, no, has just no game. Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, bro, he's got so he's got a no, little bit of game. No, 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 no finesse. He's got a little, he's got a little no finesse. finesse. Bro, no finesse. I say, I say, Giannis though. has no, I say, Giannis has no skill level, and Zion is significantly less skilled than Giannis. <laughs> but like, bro, it's effective for him. But, yeah, but them right. shoes ain't it though. Them shoes that they're trying to. Yeah, that shit's crazy. <laughs> My brother told me that linebackers don't sell sneakers. Oh man! <laughs> so you want to get the Lawrence Taylor fives? <laughs> you gonna see these shits at like Walmart, bro? Shits are going straight to famous footwear. <laughs> yeah, bro. Those, I don't know. I mean, Zion, so he'll, he'll get a little something from nah, Jordan, bro. right? Yeah, you can't he's sell these. He's going for one ninety, bro. You Whoa, can't. 190? His sneakers are on 190? At the, I'm on Flight Club right now. Yeah. Michael Jordan is out of his <laughs> mind. I'll just say that. If you think somebody buying them Zion shits for 190. Yeah, no, nah, that ain't happening. So it's slow for him. What was, was what was good with um Kyrie last night? What was that about? I don't know. He's in his feelings as usual. <laughs> He's in his feelings again. What was that Very about? Usual. Yeah, Just I don't in. know. They didn't like, I didn't hear anything about it afterwards, and you can't really make it out what they're saying. But Dennis and Kyrie don't like it. Isn't that like Kyrie. the second game that Dennis Schroeder has gotten to with somebody? Yeah. Because then he got, he got THT suspended the other day. Yeah, because, um, well, he got flipped. Against, like the Raptors or something. He got, he got picked flipped. Up or <laughs> He said, drop him off right here. <laughs> yeah. And then Trez came in, and I think, was Trez suspended too? Was just uh, TH- I think Trez was kicked out the game, but yeah, I think he ejected uh, that game. Yeah. yeah, but I think it was because of them leaving the bench. So. Yeah, yeah. That's stupid NBA rule, but whatever. Lakers have been playing well, considering they haven't had uh, their big players. I think they said they have, like, the second-best defense right now. Mm. Like, in, like, the last whatever amount of games they've played without those two. So I was like, Frank Vogel is Frank Vogel needs some coach of the year consideration. Obviously, he shouldn't win it, but especially because of runs, definitely. Him, Thibodeau, gotta be up there. Yeah, I mean, it's getting. When did the playoffs start this year? It's getting close, right? It's gotta be getting close. Yeah, so we're about to see a little push. Interesting, interesting. Also, uh, another point I want to make too. Uh, Zach Levine might be the greatest shooting guard in Chicago Bulls history. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Second, Jimmy Butler. Wow. Ooh, I like wow. it. I like it. That's 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 Mook at Hill Mook. Get <laughs> at you can at him and you can discuss those with him. Him only. Uh, I can't think of a. a Shooting guard in Chicago Bulls history that's done more than Zach Levine, to be honest with you. Yeah, nothing really. I mean, he's won a dunk contest. He's made an all star game. Maybe oh. Ben Gordon might pass him, but you know, that's about it. Don't, don't speak about Ben Gordon. <laughs> Man, so 
just recently, I don't know about y'all, but in my personal life, I've been seeing a movement happening in the workplace. I've been seeing people snatch back that power and, and say, you know what? I don't need this. I'm betting on myself and bouncing. It's just had me reflecting in quarantine uh, just from my personal experience and other people's experiences that they've shared with me. Uh, just going through um, and analyzing what's important, what's not important, uh, valuing our mental health and our well-being versus our work and our professional being. Um, and it just drives questions and makes me think about, you know, uh, where do I want to be or who who do I work for? And it, does this align with my integrity, with my values? And so I've been looking at information a lot and I just wanted to share this information with everybody and also get y'all opinions to see what y'all think about. And then we could just have a discussion on, on uh, just the transition of workplace culture and all that jazz that comes with it. But first I wanted to define um, what psychologist Doug, Douglas McGregor, um, a theory that he developed from the sixties. He's a social psychologist. Um, and he labeled these companies Theory X and Theory Y. And these theories, even though, again, from the 60s, continue to be very important even today. Actually, it's very, very interesting that it's all the way back from the 60s and it's still relevant. I think that's that's pretty dope. So he's saying that there's two type of companies or organizations or management styles, Theory X and Theory Y. And I just wanted to read these out and see if you can apply any situations to them. Theory X. Theory X managers tend to take a pessimistic view of their people and assume that they are naturally unmotivated and dislike work. As a result, they think that team members need to be promoted, rewarded, or punished constantly to make sure that they complete their tasks. Work in organizations that are managed like this can be repetitive. People are often motivated with a quote-unquote carrot-in-the-stick approach. Performance appraisals and remuneration are usually based on tangible results such as sales figures and product output and are used to control staff and to quote-unquote keep tabs on them, i.e. schedules or spreadsheets. But this style of management assumes that workers dislike their work, avoid responsibility and need constant direction, have to be controlled, forced, and threatened to deliver work, need to be supervised at every step or micromanaged, and have an incentive to work or to have an incentive to work or ambition and therefore need to be enticed by rewards to achieve goals. So according to McGregor, organizations with the Theory X approach tend to have several tiers of managers and supervisors that oversee direct workers. Hmm. Authority is rarely delegated and control remains firmly centralized. Hmm. Managers are more authoritarian and actively intervene to get things done. Gotcha. So although Theory X's management has largely fallen out of fashion in recent times, big organizations may find that adopting it is unavoidable due to the sheer number of people that they employ and tight deadlines that they have to meet. So that was Theory X. Now, Theory Y. <clears throat> theory Y managers have an optimistic, positive opinion of their people, and they use decentralized, participative management style. This encourages a more collaborative, trust-based relationship between managers and their team members. People have a greater responsibility and managers encourage them to develop their skills and suggest improvements. Appraisals are regular, but unlike in Theory X organizations, 
They're used to encourage open communication rather than control staff. Theory Y organizations also give employees frequent opportunities for promotion. This style of management assumes that workers are happy to work on their own initiative, more involved in decision-making, self-motivated to complete their tasks, enjoy taking ownership of their work, seek and accept responsibility and need little direction, view work as fulfilling and challenging, and also solve problems creatively and imaginatively. Theory Y has become more popular among organizations. This reflects workers' increased desire for more meaningful careers that provide them with more than just money. It's also viewed by McGregor as superior to Theory X, which he says reduces workers to quote unquote, cogs in a machine and likely demotivates people in the long term. So I just put that out there. just want people to reflect on whether they are part of a Theory X or part of a Theory Y organization or management style and whether that aligns with their integrity or not. Um, what came up for y'all? Um, for me, I think theory theory Y seems <laughs> more like the move. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of parallels in the description for theory X. Um, but it's just, it's crazy, right? So the narrative is that, you know, I have to continue to micromanage, but who who wants to be micromanaged? Like, if you're continuing to push me through something and there's no reward, on the flip side, I'm I'm not gonna be motivated to do it because I'm not seeing <laughs> I'm not seeing the rewards. We're just we're just continuously going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with that, man. You bring up an interesting point, Rashawn, <laughs> and, and something that McGregor doesn't highlight, which I would love to see. Maybe he does, but just not in this article that I read. Yeah. Um when employees want to be a part of a theory why organization or have a theory why mindset but their company manages through theory x and the mm. conflict that creates mm. but yeah so my my personal judgment by the what i've been seeing lately is that is that a lot of people want to be a part of theory why but these people are theory x these people these employers are theory x managers and so people are like, you know what? I'm out of here. They're calling that bluff. You know, I'm a cargo machine. Replace me. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also a really interesting comparison is when you think about some of the top companies in the world right now, let's say Facebook, let's say Google, let's say, um, you know, these powerhouses, what do you guys think their company ideals are? Uh, X or Y? Yeah, I if think. you had to guess. Well, Google, I would want to say why. Yeah, I say Google is why. But maybe they present as why and really are X. Facebook, I say theory X. Twitter, I say X. Just Maybe Twitter X? Yeah. Uh, for, tw for Twitter as well? Yeah. Hmm. I agree with you on Google. I mean, a lot of stories have come out, right? We've seen things about how Google, you know, employees have a lot of freedom and creativity or flexibility with, with their work. Facebook, maybe... Twitter, Twitter is an interesting one for me because Twitter actually has a, a pretty small um, amount of employees considering how big their platform is. And, 
you also bring a good point. It might be how it's presented to us. How Twitter presents to me, I it seems more why when you hear Jack Dorsey talk, when you hear him discuss how his team works on issues at Twitter, it seems like it's not micromanaged. It seems like there's not just one power that's delegated. It seems like it's very much spread out. But again, that could just be how he's presenting. And um, and Jack 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 is a guy who thinks ahead too. So mm-hmm. I I do see what you're saying, Kareem. Because I think Jack is one of the dudes we need to watch in terms of the moves he's making. Yeah. yeah. He, he's someone to follow, right? He yeah. knows what he's doing. He seems yeah. to know what he's doing. Well, we just got word that uh, from our guy, T. Perry, that Facebook has been spying on their employees. So that definitely falls under micromanagement, I believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a Mark fullest. Zuckerberg thing. So I'm not Based on an on NPR story. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody see the social network, you saw how weird Mark Zuckerberg was. So that shit doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> but it, and that's so interesting that that Tila, you bring that up because I think most people would say Facebook is successful, right? But right. you listen to their employees; their employees are not happy. Like their employees don't like how um, you know uh, Trump was able to you know talk about a lot of like uh, news and his posts were able to be on Facebook without no problems or no regulation. You know they talk about LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ equality issues about race, uh, racial issues at Facebook. Yet this company seems to be very successful, and it seems like it'd be managed kind of um, with this like X theory. While you also see companies that are managed with the Y theory that are also super successful, but I'm sure there are companies that are also not successful. So it's just interesting to see that obviously it can work with uh, theory X, but I feel like that just takes away from employee satisfaction. Like you were saying, Shiz, like if you're micromanaged all the time, you don't want to do the work on your own because you feel like somebody's always on your back. Like, what's your motivation? Because this person's just going to like, oh, you didn't do this right. Oh, you should do this better. Like, you yeah. know, that doesn't allow for growth. That doesn't allow for self-improvement. Right. You want to feel like you're doing the work because you really like the work. It's rewarding or you're right. good at it. Not because if I don't do it, my boss is going to chew me out, you know? But that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like with that, that theory X, from a theory X standpoint, it's the micromanagement, micromanaging piece. It's the um, the constant narrative that you could be replaced at any given moment. So having just those two characteristics alone. One more characteristic, the lack of trust. And the lack of trust. But the lack of trust comes from the micromanaging piece because that right. narrative is that you're not doing what you need to be doing. So true. I have to That's track every single step. So having that and knowing that you could be replaced shows that, okay, well, you don't really value my work, mm. right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that pig in the, what, what was that, that analogy you used, D? Um, oh. Whatever. But yeah, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a piece to, I'm, I'm just playing my part right here, but I could, I could be let go at any given moment. So it's just like, damn, now I gotta, I gotta juggle these two, <laughs> Right. And it's like, at what point do I walk away? And I guess this is my question. At what point do do you walk away from a situation like that? At what point do you walk away? Because in my mind, it's like, I continue to, and this is, fuck it, it's off the rip. It's like, I continue to rationalize why I'm still, why I'm still here, while I'm navigating this, 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 this X style, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about it, it's like, it's like being in a toxic relationship Uh it's like you know what (laughs) she crazy as hell but she gets me 
Like, no, bro. Like, even, she's crazy she, as hell, but she provides me with a home. She provides. She understands, like, you know what I'm saying? She, uh, or, she, uh, she has a car. Exactly. <laughs> you know, no, and, I'm being and, dead and serious. Because yeah. for, for us, it's like, yo, I like I, I, I can't stand going into work, but yeah. they give me a paycheck. I got a paycheck. I got I got medical benefits. Like, you know what I mean? I got, you know, the, you know, you wedding stability. situation. Stability. I'm getting ready to start. I'm getting ready to start, start my life. With my yeah. with my fiance, like you know what I'm saying. So it's just, at what point do I walk away with my, just my integrity? Your words and your balls. Yeah. As soon as you notice, it starts to affect your mental health. Like it, mm. as soon as you can recognize a difference in yourself, like that's when you gotta be like, why? Like, am I still here? Like, should I really still be here? You know. Yeah. Like all mm. work is stressful, right? But like, there's a difference between uh, positive stress and negative stress. There's a difference between stress that can be expected and stress that can be unexpected. You know, putting ridiculous expectations on you guys, you know, telling you guys that you have to do this, this, and this um, in unrealistic expectations. To with have, no follow-up to have on why, with no follow-up or explanation on why it needs to get done. So, right. so, so like then things like that add to yeah. unnecessary stress and make so, you question, you know, why am I doing this, you know? Right. Trevor brought up the point. He says they try to make you feel like you don't have any options that are better. Again, to Rashawn's relationship analogy. Like go find somebody else who's gonna do this for you, like I do. Manipulation, right. yeah, yeah. Gaslighting. Mm. What is your passion? Lighting. Ooh. Mm. What's your passion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not as passionate as <laughs> you're I not am. as passionate about this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I'll I'll leave I'll leave with this uh this last quote. A bad leader can take a good staff and destroy it, causing the best employees to flee. And the remainder to lose all motivation. I think we should just end right there, Edgar. That's real. That's real. <laughs> that's, just, that's a beautiful note. <laughs> that part. Well, take us home. This has been another episode of Off the Rip. You can find us on our social media, Off the Rip dot podcast for Instagram and Off the Rip underscore podcast for uh, for the Twitter. Uh, we'll love to communicate with you guys on there. Tell Can us we get an update like. on followers? Oh, yeah, we, are 85, we are 85 followers on yeah. on Instagram. So we are getting there. Slowly but surely, we are getting there. So we appreciate all the support that you guys have given us so far. All you guys that have been, you know, all our day ones to, to, to people that just coming on this week. We thank you for all the support. And um, I got to yeah. give a shout out to a major who lives out in Colorado. That's all I'm saying. Oh, 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 I see what you did there. Hey, yo. Shout, shout out, out for to listening. Mook, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, shout out to Mook, man, because he got his camera off right now. But I know he got, I knew he, did you write that out so you could just, so you nah. want to mess up this time? Nah. I looked it up like two hours ago <laughs> to make sure I had it. I was like, all right, dot podcast. Gotcha. All right. I was sitting there practicing a mirror in the mirror and shit like that just to make yeah, sure man. I had it right. Yeah. Watch him do it in the mirror. Dots up shirts on the way. Dots up. Dots up, baby. It's too late for you. It's too late for me. The game ain't fair. I don't make the rules. But if you break free, ain't nobody care. The worst thing to do is forget about where you came from. How the 